Yo, what is going on? Welcome back to the Open Tab Podcast. Uh, my name is Mo, and of course, I got my boy Cam here with me today. Uh, man, it's been a long time since we've seen y'all. Welcome to the new year. Welcome to 2023. Uh, we hope life is good. Um, we hope you had a great New Year's. We hope you had a great uh, Christmas uh, or whatever you celebrate. We hope it was good. Um, we have a lot to talk about today when it comes to the sports world. Uh, of course, the dogs won. We got a lot of NFL. We're in the mid-NFL playoff. We're uh, midway through the about midway through the NBA season, and so yeah, uh, we're we're actually going to let somebody uh, let Cam talk to you a little bit and uh, tell us about the experience out there that because he went to the game. Tell us about a little bit about the experience and what they have for you out there in Cali. How was the the SoFi Stadium and all that good stuff? How was it, man? Being at my second national championship was definitely a surreal moment. You know, I was fortunate enough to go out there to Indy last year and watch the dogs beat Bama. Mm-hmm. You know, SoFi Stadium was so captivating. I mean, it's massive, pretty much brand new. I think it was built this past year. Maybe this is the second season the um, what Chargers are in it. Yeah. Raiders. You Raiders? Raiders. Okay, Raiders. Yeah, it's probably the Raiders. Raiders. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's surreal. It's huge. There's not a bad seat in there. So it's – it's pretty heavily tilted down. So like, even if you're pretty high up, you still have a pretty clear view Mm -hmm. of the field and it doesn't really feel like you're high up. Whenever you like go into the main concourse, you know how like Mercedes Benz and whatnot, like you go in your, when you first go in, you're on the 100 level, which is like the bottom level field level. When you go into SoFi, you're on the 300 level. So if you're in the 100 or 200 level, you have to go like down. So it's, I don't know if it's like, Oh, so you come, so you basically come in at the top. Yeah, you come you in the way middle. down, middle. Yeah, okay. so the, it it goes up to five hundred there. So it's section one hundred through five hundred. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. You know, it's um it's not fully enclosed. You know, they have that uh like glass roof. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's how glass. Was the, how, yeah, how was the jumbotron? I saw. Yeah, the jumbotron is massive. It goes like all around the stadium, but it like intertwines almost like on the inside and the outside of it is screens. That's crazy. Yeah, so it was it was not a bad seat in there. You could see everything. The only like downside I had is like the sides of the entrances are open, so it's not fully enclosed. Like wind can yeah. go through it, but it's also at the three hundred level, so it doesn't really affect the field that much. Mm-hmm. You know, it was definitely a surreal experience being out there in LA. That's crazy. I haven't been able to visit, so um, I hope so. How was the weather? I know they always talk about the LA weather. Was it nice? Yeah, it was nice. The um, so I spent most of my time during the trip in Vegas, and then we went down mm-hmm. to LA for the game. But uh, the whole time I was in LA, it was raining, which okay. is very uh, unusual. I'm pretty sure for LA in that West Coast, it doesn't rain too much. I don't think out there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. I'm glad you got an opportunity to get out there and everything. Oh yeah, and also see, it's I think it's the Chargers, the Chargers and the Rams share the stadium right now. Raiders and lost, and then the L, and then the the Raiders are in the Raiders in, in Las Vegas. Yeah, that was right. Um, yeah. So, what you, what were your thoughts? What, break it down the game from uh, from your point of view. How'd you feel about it? I know it's total domination. I mean, yeah. I was expecting a little bit, of, a little bit of a better game, but you know, we'll take the dub like that for real. Yeah. The Georgia covered the uh, over by themselves, for yeah, the game, which is pretty funny. But 
you know, it, it was a good game. It was they had no answers for our offense. We scored on every drive but one, I believe. I believe we punted one time throughout mm-hmm. the whole game. So, you know, it was crazy. Our defense showed up big. Um we had that one big play, I think it was like a seventy yard pass or something completion that they had mm-hmm. down the left sideline and that was that was their only play where they had any momentum going the whole game. They never had a big yeah. play after it, that. It, yeah, and it was, it was it was because of broken coverage. It wasn't even because they yeah. they outmaneuvered us or they outplayed us. It was just broken. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, two I mean, guys two guys jumped on the inside route and that that uh, post fade on the outside turned into a go. Just got us, but yeah, yeah, I'm not too bad about it. I mean, yeah, from my point of view, it's absolute domination, and from my point of view, it's just. They got they got out coached, they got out worked, they got out effort every in every phase of the game. Like it wasn't the fact that somebody that they weren't up to par the skill level, but they just weren't up to the, the, the physical match and and they were up to like mentally how like y'all need to go listen to Kirby Smart's pregame speech because those boys were wired. Like yeah. I I listened to it and I wish I could play it on here, but it absolutely gets you jacked up. He he got those boys ready. After Ohio State dropped forty one on him, he's like, We ain't we ain't even getting close to that in this game. So all work I know he had his foot up there but all 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 week about about staying technique and all that stuff. So I so again it wasn't about how TCU sucked, it was just about how Georgia dominated him. Yeah. I also saw something that was like after that video got leaked of his uh, pregame speech, they were players were texting him like that day, being like, "Coach, I haven't even heard the best one you've given yet." <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. That is dope. That is dope. I mean, again, from the point from uh, my point of view, it was also that game really harped on uh, what everyone knows about football. It's dominating the trenches, and. It showed me that I knew by the second or third drive of the game that they couldn't do anything because Stetson Bennett was rolling out. He was stepping up in the pocket. Absolutely no pressure whatsoever by TCU. And Georgia was bringing all the pressure. And when they didn't get pressure, they covered on the back end. And um, and so, yeah, so that just that speaks into what people, what the SEC is all about, trenches, um, O-line, defense linemen, and everything like that it speaks volumes to football yeah. in general, really. I definitely think that game, and just watching any, you know, Power 5 team these days, you can see really how the evolution of college football has transformed over the last decade or so to where you have to have a mobile quarterback to win. If yeah. your quarterback cannot escape the pocket, create plays, on your side of the line of scrimmage by getting out of the pocket and throwing and running, you know, your, your team's not going to stand a chance in today's football. Yeah. And initially from from the a couple of weeks ago, I was a little concerned because we got a little bit out of our rush lanes um, because of the Ohio state quarterback. What's his name again? CJ Stroud. Yeah. CJ Stroud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. CJ Stroud killed us. Because he got out of his rush lanes and stuff like that. And I guess it wasn't on the scouting report per se. So I was a little concerned, but I was happy to see that in this game that we really, we really got pressure and then maintained our lane and stayed disciplined because, because that TCU quarterback got some wheels on him. And once yeah. he gets out of the pocket, you never know. And that so was, I was easily, really, I was, 
easily the best game CJ Stroud has ever had in his career. You know, there's oh, sure. not been any other game, you know, this season where he's really used his legs the way he did to beat Georgia's defense in that game. It yeah. really changed the game. If you see, go back and watch any of their, you know, long drives where they really wanted to run down the clock and they'd be put in bad situations. He would get out of the pocket with his legs and turn into a 20, 30 yard rush. And that's because I that wasn't scouted for because he hadn't done it before. You know, we yeah. the QB spy him like we did Max Duggan in the um, college football playoff championship game. Facts. Facts. But and, he'll, go, uh, he'll go top two with uh, Bryce Young. Not for top sure. two pick, but top two QB at least. For sure. For sure. And um, I think like when it comes to Georgia in this upcoming year, like, oh, actually, first, uh, people were sleeping. I saw Mar- and Marvin Harris Jr. is absolutely ridiculous. That dude was having making all types of trouble for us on the back end. And it sucks that he got hurt. And I don't want to hear anybody talking about how that saved us because Darnell Washington got hurt. And so that saved y'all. And so, because you, you don't want to deal with that dude. Six hours was sick. Yeah, Buck Bowers wasn't feeling too well. Darnell Washington was not there. And so literally, it, it even the playing field a little bit. And yeah. so... Lad was so, Facts. Facts. And so it even the playing field a little bit. But Marvin Harrison Jr. is a dog. And he was out there. He was out there catching all type of stuff. Tough balls. Like, like stuff that was contested, he was there. And so they have him ranked as number one overall receiver, I think, at 90. Or something like eighty nine or ninety, something like that. And so, um, hey, all credit to you. You're that's a dog right there. Yeah, that's um, the same excuse. Uh, you know, they'll make when we beat them. Anyway, same thing with Alabama and uh, Jameson Williams. So, facts, facts. And um, next year, next year is going to be. <laughs> people have already started running down the schedule uh, about Georgia. Um, only our last three games or anything that's going to be. Um, it or it's going to be any type of difficult for us. That's like, going to challenge us at all. It should be. Yeah. And if anybody says anything, oh, we got people leaving for the draft. Man, we had 15 people leave last year, and that just speaks volume to Co- Coach Smart. Um, and five first and, round picks on defense. Yeah, five first round picks, 15 total, and just reload and let's keep it going. And people will be like, oh, it's the five star recruits. Uh, who Jimbo Fisher had the best recruiting class last year, and and where are they? They they they're not here. So um, so yeah. So y'all better get right because Georgia's not not stopping anytime soon. And I think I heard somebody in the news talking about um, Kirby Smart's one of one of three Pete. And um, let's do it. Let's run it up. Let's yeah. do it. Yeah, I definitely think next year's schedule is a cakewalk, and you know a lot of that has to do with the SEC revoking our um, series we had scheduled with Oklahoma. You know, this year we were supposed to play Oklahoma in Athens, uh, 2024, 2025. We were supposed to play Oklahoma in Norman. But Mm -hmm. because of the news of Oklahoma coming into the SEC in 2026, Maybe 2024, mm-hmm. 2026. Yeah, I think it's 20. 20- yeah, something like you know, that. It'd just kind of be bad press for the SEC, you know, playing a team that's yeah. going to come to the SEC. Yeah. Didn't really want that to happen. But like you were saying, we're, we're reloading, you know. We've already had a couple wide receivers declare, and that's uh, something that was kind of like looked down upon this year was our wide receiver core. 
mm-hmm. especially with injuries to uh, Donnie Mitchell and oh, there's one other that was out for a while. But you know, we Darnell's leaving. He's going he to is, the draft. He declared. Yeah, he declared. Okay. But, you know, Georgia also we're bringing back. You know, Lad hasn't made his decision, but there's no way Lad goes to the draft or leaves. So we sh- we're bringing back Lad McConkey. Mm-hmm. Donnie Mitchell's probably coming back. We also got Mississippi State star Ra Ra Thomas in the portal. We got Missouri star Dominic Lovett in the portal. A Rosemary Jack Saint coming back. Like, you know, we're stacked. We have a yeah. good offensive core coming back, and you know that defense is going to be there. We're reloading. We were young this year. Mm-hmm. Really, just using, we had, we had sophomores, so yeah, it's, we had it's sophomores. no problem. We're losing Keely Ringo and um, Breadman, but you know, besides them two, we're bringing back most of our core. We were young. Facts, facts, and uh, we also got transfers coming in. You know that? Yeah, yeah. yeah those got, two uh, I just listed off: the uh, Mississippi State, Ra Ra Thomas, and Missouri Dominic Lovett. Yep, two receivers sure, from SEC teams. Mm-hmm. We're like and, wide receiver uh, he, ones and twos from their teams. Facts. Facts. They want to come play with the dogs, so we're welcome to have them always. Um, and overall, man, it was obviously a great game and going into next year. And a lot of people were talking about Stetson Bennett. Like, that man is a dog. And um, and I heard somebody on ESPN, they were like, he, his, his number needs to be retired. And I'm like, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, that's crazy. But then I really, I really thought about it unbiasedly, and I sat back. I was like, you know what? They're probably right. The story of Stetson Bennett and what he's accomplished at Georgia has been can his resume can stack up against any of the best ever. Now NFL level is completely different, but yeah. when you stack up his resume against anybody in college football, but especially any dog, like you can't, you can't stop that. Two national championships. Back to back. Um, overall, he went down to JUCO, came back. the The fan base was against him. The world was against him. He caught fought. He he kept fighting. And a definition of a definition of an underdog, and definition of a of, of a UGA dog. Facts. Yeah, I definitely agree. Stetson Bennett is the best quarterback to come through um, Georgia at the collegiate level. I don't think I think he surpasses, you know, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Murray, like Yeah. Um trying to think DJ Shockley, like some of the even some of the old guys, you know, Green, you know, bringing two national championships to UGA has really solidified his spot there and you know, turn the program around. Like we are set on a trajectory to be, you know, favorites mm-hmm. of the SEC for sure the SEC East for a long time to come. And mm-hmm. you know what the sad thing about his career is? He will never be able to be in the College Football Hall of Fame because he was never an All-American. What That's the... one of the requirements of being in the Hall of Fame is being an All-American. That's this year, crazy. I believe, it was Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Oh, or that's Hooker, crazy. Maybe. I mean, uh, 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 a Heisman nominee, um, everything. And... Yep. And what I want, what I really want to say is that Stetson Bennett is like, uh, going a little deeper into the story. Like he's someone that everybody should look up to, and especially kids in high school and 
this is the guy that you should be looking up to. Like when it comes to sports and, but not even when it comes to sports, but like coming to life in general, like this guy did not give up on his dreams. He came to Georgia uh, they, um, and he sat and he left because he, he knew that he was going to be, a, he wanted to be a starter and he knew that he could be a starter. He left, went to Juco, won, came back. Everyone still doubted him. Um, he struggled a little bit, c- continued to persevere and, and got switched out a couple of times, continued to persevere. And that's what it all uh, life is all about persevering. And, and he bet on himself. He completely bet on himself through and through again, even though the fan base, me included, a lot of us included, were like, man, Stetson Bennett, we're nervous. We're nervous about this. But no, he, he showed up and he bought in and he bet on himself throughout life. And that's what people need to do. They need to bet on themselves a lot more. And they need to not listen to the naysayers because if he listened to the naysayers, we wouldn't be here right now. He would be, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have came back from Juco. He wouldn't have pushed the quarterback room. And uh, yeah, so again, be Stetson Bennett because this guy's a dog. He bets on himself and he, and he, he puts it all in all the time. And what he said, he said, he just, what do you say um, at the speech? He said that he just woke up and thought, uh, he just woke up and did what he thought was the right thing every day, and look what and look where he ended look look where he ended up at man, like yeah. So from from that point of view, just just uh, keep grinding, better on yourself out here because he did and he deserves it. And going into the next level, like NFL, like I get it, he's not the typical quarterback. And see, again, he bet on himself. Um, and he came all the way back, and even when he's national what national championship, there's these clowns out here talking about, oh, he's 25, and and bro, he's dropping dimes, and he completely bet on himself, and and people are still that's another they they're trying to add something else to the mix to throw him off to throw him off to throw him into the pot of like, of of you didn't achieve what you just achieved. Who cares yeah, if, if he's 25? Really, if you're really mad about him being 25, go complain to the NCAA for giving a COVID year. Yeah. Yeah. That's the and truth. Facts. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, it continued to bet, bet against him, and he's looking forward to it. I can tell right now, once he heard that 25 comment, he's like, all right, let's see. Because it's going to be disrespectful if he doesn't if he doesn't get invited to the combine, which I think he will. And um, and I think he's going to show up and, and really show the scouts a lot more than what they ever – Ever yeah, he got expected. a he got an invite to the Reese's Senior Bowl, I believe. Okay, well that's dope. Yeah, so he's going to show up and show a lot of people out. He's going to show a lot of arms, saying that he's going to be faster. He might be faster than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Um, he's probably and he's going to show a lot of people in this draft. And I think people are making him go undrafted. I don't see that. I think, I think someone like even Atlanta Falcons, someone like the Atlanta Falcons. Someone like the Patriots that have good coaching, that have a good system. Uh, someone like, uh, let's see, uh, um, someone even like the Seattle Seahawks who could use a backup right now, or yeah. or like underdogs that have good coaching will probably pick him up uh, in the fifth or sixth round when nobody expected it. So yeah. I expect somebody to draft him. Hot take. You know, I don't, I don't think he gets drafted, but I do think he designs a USF. T- FA deal after the draft because you know all those players there's so many players that go undrafted and sign deals an hour yeah. after the draft ends so you know that's just kind of 
they usually trade them off at the end if they don't, you know, have somebody they really want just to save uh, signing bonuses and yeah. Bonuses. And I think, and I think, yeah. Uh, what's the name? Uh, his name is Brock Purdy. He's going off in the league right now. Mr. And he went the very last pick. Yeah, he went. He's a hell of a story. And he went uh, last pick of the draft. He didn't have two rings. He didn't play University of Georgia. He didn't. He he didn't lead his team. He didn't go to JUCO. Like, Justin Bennett has seen a lot of football, and I know he's an intelligent quarterback. Um, and I know that in in some quarterback room, at two maybe backup or even third string, he deserved to be in some quarterback room in the NFL. And um, I believe that he's going to get his chance. And I believe some as long as he shows up to the NFL draft and um, performs. W- if good, if not better than good, he's going to get a shot and somebody's going to pick him up. Cause you'd be, you'd be kind of crazy not to give someone that's seen that much <clears throat> football and fought that much to get to this level and has that much heart. Cause not too many people show that much heart. Yeah. Well, now that college football is over, we now have the NFL playoffs, you know, coming into picture now. Oh yeah! This past weekend and, uh, we had we had the uh, Jaguars beat the Chargers, we had the Bengals <laughs> beat the Ravens, the Bills beat the Dolphins, San Francisco beat the Seahawks, Giants surprise beat the um, Vikings, and we currently have the Cowboys beating Tampa Bay. What was it? Twenty five, twenty four, oh. When we lost 24? Yeah, 24-6, I believe it is now. Something like that. Yeah. Four missed PATs by the Cowboys, four touchdowns, four missed point after touchdowns, which is yeah. absolutely absurd. Yeah, I saw a, a picture of uh, Dak Prescott. He's pissed. Absolutely heated about the three missed PATs, and I don't blame him. Yeah. Um, Daniel think, Jones. What's what up? do you think about uh, the Jags upset over the Chargers on this past uh sunday man that's absolutely crazy and i'm super happy for the jacksonville jaguars they went from worst to first they went to worst to basically first first yeah. first for them is nine and eight i guess and so yeah so that was absolutely crazy i watched the game um i told like somebody when it was 24 lead yeah i think it's 20 24 like 27 to 7 27 to 7 or something like that something like 20 something crazy but I told him I was like, this, this game is not over because they scored at uh, 13 minutes, about two minutes into the third, made it 14, 27 or something like that. And I was like, this is not over. Like, he's throwing four picks, but he they're going to keep playing. Um, they yeah. got nothing to lose. And so I'm absolutely happy for them. Um, that shows a lot of Doug Peterson and his coaching. Uh, he came in and uh, helped that young quarterback out. Um like I said, go first to worst. So, yeah, yeah, all, all credit to Jacksonville. I definitely think the Chargers' uh, play calling was day and night from the <laughs> first half. You know, it was drastically yeah. different play calling, and it was just atrocious. What they were doing, yeah. you know, for the most part was working. You know, obviously the Jags made some changes on defense and offense, but, you know, not enough to just re-game plan your whole, whole second half. But – Facts. You know, their their offense was atrocious. Facts. And and this day this day in time this day of time in college football and NFL 
like no lead is safe. People are so talented these days, like in quarterbacks and in general, just so talented. Like you cannot be complacent about your play calling and you, and you have to continue to pile it on. You have to continue to take shots. You have to continue to be devious and be, and be kind of like strategic in how you, in your play calling and be surprising, continue to, continue to do stuff that you should, that you do in the first half, mix it up. And so like, yeah, people are too, too, people are too talented these days to be sitting on leads. And if, if anything, I don't know why they like, why everyone in the league hasn't learned from the Atlanta Falcons in their Super Bowl run. Like you can't, you can't do that no more. Like you have to continue piling on every time. So, but the Jacksonville Jaguars continue to fight, continue to fight. So all, all credit to them. And you talk yeah, about the New York Giants. Yeah, the Giants. And something I kind of wanted to touch on that now with the NFL is like so crazy how in the NFL, you know, college football, it's all, it's pretty much pass first and most all of college football. Even Georgia used to be, you know, run first, but now we've kind of turned into more of a pass first offense to set up the run. But it's almost opposite in the NFL where you have to set up and establish your run to be able to pass the ball. Yeah. Which is kind of day and night from college football, which has been very evident in the playoffs. You know, those teams that haven't been able to run the ball mm-hmm. have looked horrible offensively throughout these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Giants, the Giants have been playing playing really well. You know, coming into the last half of the season, Daniel Jones has been looking good, and you know they made really made a stride against the um, upsetting <laughs> the three seed and the Vikings with you know Justin yeah. Jett, mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, and that last Kirk Cousins play was just a Kirk Cousins play. Yeah, and he threw it. He threw a three yard out or well, three yard option, four yard option, and the wide receiver obviously didn't help him because he didn't go eight yards. Yeah, and then he decided he like, like what are you doing? Like this is the game on the line, and you know what he was? I don't know. I don't know how he would. He he's been in big games before, but he hasn't won big games before. No, he hasn't he's, consistently his won big record games. in primetime games is like three and like thirty something. Yeah, but this is a clear, prime example of of just being nervous. You can't. You literally cannot. And being upset, being hearing and listening to the media, really, of oh, it like if he would have thrown that into like double coverage, which he had to do, or some type of tough coverage and got picked, he was just gonna. He he was really playing that in his head. But you did the exact opposite, but even worse. Throw yeah, it to three, four. Didn't even give the receiver a chance to, you know, you know, if you throw it in double coverage, at least you were giving your receiver a chance to go up and, you know, make a play to get the first yeah. down. But yeah, Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen or something. Yeah, you have no chance of getting eight yards on a three-yard reception and double coverage. Yeah, so I don't know what he was doing. Like he 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 immediately regretted when he when he threw the ball or when he was walking out the field. He immediately regretted, like. Like I wish I had the meme of his face to throw on the screen, cause, cause he immediately regretted that, and cause he's gonna get absolutely destroyed on uh, this week in the media because they're gonna pick up another quarterback, and I hope they pick up another quarterback in the in the draft. But yeah, so from the Kirk Cousins perspective, yeah, that's that's crazy. That's so bad. 
But the Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones, man, uh, he was about to get burned at the stake probably uh, two years ago when he, well, I'm, two, two, three years ago when he got drafted. When they, I don't know what they were thinking. I still don't know what they're thinking. Um, I'm not a big Daniel Jones fan, uh, but he proved me wrong. To the, and he had first quarterback in history with 300 yards passing, two touchdowns, 70 yards rushing in a single game. Uh, that's absolutely amazing, and that speaks to the head coach, um, especially when you have someone like Saquon Barkley on that, and they know you're going to run Saquon Barkley, but you find different ways to get him involved in in the game and get him touches. And um, credit to those wide receivers that held up for Daniel Jones, really. Um, there was one wide receiver that could have ended the game, but he didn't because he dropped the ball. I forgot his name. But, yeah, um, and for people like in, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars and New York Giants, uh, to me, uh, this has been one of the best NFL seasons because everyone looks good, as well as a NBA season. Everyone's got to show up and play and put their pants on and actually do the right thing and actually compete. Uh, but to those two organizations, I would say, can you do it again? Because anybody can do it one year. Anybody can do it one year. And we've seen that. Um, uh, yeah, case so, in point, the, Buc- the Buccaneers. Anybody yeah. can do it one year. But can you do yeah. it again? Can you do it again? And so, um, Daniel Jones. Example. Yeah. Daniel, Daniel Jones and, um, What's his name? Jacksonville Jaguars coach or or quarterback? Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence. Daniel Jones and Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Can you do it again? I believe. I, I don't know about Daniel Jones, and I don't, and they they don't have the greatest receiver core or people around him. So, but again, um, all credits to you for getting making it this far. Um, but I, I want to see y'all do it again. The greatness doesn't greatness doesn't have a timeline. It's forever. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, kind of looking at the playoff picture in the AFC, we still have three super team juggernauts that could still, any one of them could come out of the AFC, I believe. We have Kansas City, the Bengals, and Buffalo, all in the AFC. And then we have the juggernauts of the NFC still in it. We have the Eagles and San Francisco. So what do you believe the Super Bowl matchup is going to be looking like this year? I think it's gonna be it's gonna be either the Bills and the Chiefs. And I think the Eagles are gonna come out. Um, yeah, I think the Eagles are gonna come out of that side. I don't see anybody else really challenging them that much. Uh, Jalen Hurts, when uh, this is kind of like an this kind of like what he what he was playing like when he was at Oklahoma. Like, like for some reason, uh, like people cannot don't send spies. He outruns everybody. And he just rockets that ball into his receivers, and they make him look good. Um, they pl- they set him up perfectly. That organization, uh, through free agency and the draft, they set him up absolutely perfectly with um, with the, with a good defense to hold up and absolutely great receivers to make him look good. The t- Tennessee Titans are absolutely foolish for letting AJ Brown go. I don't know how stupid you can be. I really don't. Um, uh, NFL GMs are just crazy. I just want to sit down with some of them and figure out what they're doing because it doesn't make no. It doesn't make any sense to me, AJ Brown. But uh, they hooked him up with um, his favorite target out of Alabama, and so they they got they got him set and they really put him on course to win a Super Bowl. Um, and so who who knows? It could be it could be this year. So 
Um, um, yeah, so I got that. And then, of course, Patrick Mahomes, MVP, coming out the AFC. Um, that ain't nothing really much to be said there. He's absolutely ridiculous. Um, he's Steph Curry of, of the NFL. Yeah. I think that Alabama connection you were talking about, uh, what was it, Tua and Waddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure A.J. Brown went to Ole Miss, I think. Him and yeah, D.K. Yeah, A.J. Brown went to Ole Miss. Yeah, A.J. Brown went to yeah, Ole Miss. D.K.? Yeah, him and D.K. were, like, best buds. <laughs> okay, so we got the Eagles. Who you got coming out of the AFC? Oh, yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think stuck. MVP. Yeah, I definitely think going with the Chiefs is a safe route. I definitely think I'll rock with the Chiefs coming out of the AFC as well. I would really like to see Josh Allen make it to the Super Bowl, but you know, hey, Josh I think Allen is a dog too. He is a dog, but you know, that's going to be one of the best games until the Super Bowl. Probably is mm-hmm. going to be Bengals Chiefs or Bengals um, Bills. You know, that game is going to be electric, especially Facts. if the um, Bills win and go against the Chiefs. You know, just the AFC is stacked, you know, and there's no no bad game that can come out of this because I think Kansas City easily handles the Jaguars and who knows who coming out of that Bengals-Bills game with the win. So yeah, I'll definitely rock with the Chiefs as well. That's a safe bet, even though I'd love to see Josh Allen get a Super Bowl. Same with Joe Burrow, to be honest. I wouldn't be mad with either of those two teams winning that. Yeah. And then NFC side, I'm going to go with the Niners. I'm going to rock with Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. Oh, and yeah, Brock Purdy, the story, the Cinderella yeah, story. I love the story, but even though it is a Cinderella story, the Niners are loaded. They're stacked. They are stacked. stacked. Actually, you Debo, know what? Actually, Ayuku, yeah, yeah. Um, Kistran McCaffrey, who's their tight end? Kittle, like. Mm-hmm. Their offensive weapons is crazy. Mm-hmm. And, I'll actually, you know, actually, you know what? I'll, I'll go with them as two. I'll switch mine up, and I'll go with the. I'll go with it's NFC, right? Yeah, that's the NFC. So yeah, I'll go with. I'll go with them. I'll go with the 49ers by simply uh, this phrase right here: run after catch. These boys, are like you got to These boys got burners. They, you can't catch them. You can't tackle them. This is going to make it stupid easy on Brock Purdy. Check downs are going to turn into 10-yard gains. Uh, Five-yard ends are going to turn into touchdowns. Screens are gonna, screens that don't even have no business turning into touchdowns to 80-yard gains are going to be Christian McCaffrey, which I believe that he should have won. The um, Niners bubble screen and sweep formations and just play designs are wild. Like, they turn... Mm-hmm. They're blocking schemes on these bubble screens that they run to get it back to, you know, up the field, up the sideline, or either back to the middle, like George has been doing a lot this year, those screens to run run it back up the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, their, their play calling's been immaculate this year to support the cast that they have on their team. Mm-hmm. They've done a hell of a job because it, it's, hard, it's hard to manage Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and, and Christian McCaffrey. It's hard to manage all those and and, and get them all the ball and get them all the ball in the right places. So yeah, do doing a great job. They're gonna make it easy on Brock Purdy. He's not gonna have to throw the ball in, in super tight windows. He's not gonna have to make. Uh, he's not gonna make have to make all these all these fantastic throws to win the game. 
Yeah. Like he's, they're going to make his job very simple and, and he's going to go to work. And uh, I haven't said this, this is a long while ago, but Christian McCaffrey deserved that Heisman over, over Derrick Henry that year. So I just want to say that he's been my favorite running back um, ever. And then he showed up in the Rose Bowl the next day and had 300 all purpose yards. So yeah, uh, that's stupid and not Rose Bowl. Yeah. So against Iowa, which was a uh, top 10, top, top, Top seventeen that year, something like that, like five. They were at five, six, or seven, something there. like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, and um, yeah. So I'll, I'll go with the Forty ers I will. I'll go with the Forty ers Just steal my picks. You know, you you put me on, man. <laughs> so I know earlier you talked about the NBA season a little bit. How you thought it was a really good one. You know, you got to suit up, play every day because you know there's no. Um, there's no off days, you know, every day matters, especially in the NBA when you're fighting for a play-in spot when it comes down to the end of the season or just even, you know, getting that home court advantage in a seven-game series. So mm-hmm. what has kind of been your takeaway so far this season in the NBA, and what do you believe to expect come, you know, end of the season as we're headed into all-star break in the next couple of weeks here? Man, it, it's been a fantastic NBA season, the best season I've seen in a while. Like, it's been crazy. Uh, you got teams that are one team that's – you got between eighth and, like, first is seven games. And seven games ain't nothing. It's two weeks. Um, you got people like Paulo, Paulo Benchero coming in, averaging 23. You got Sadiq Pei hitting game winners in Golden State. You got, you got everything. You got um, – Jalen down there in Houston, rocking with it. You got Luka Doncic going crazy, sixty point triple doubles. You got, you got finally Kyrie decide he wanted to play. Like it's been crazy. Like um, you got your C's, they're killing it. Like it, no team, no team really sucks. You got to show up and play every day, and that's what it's all about. And and. Um, to me, when it comes down to it, it's going to be like, who's been consistent throughout the season? Who's peaking, really peaking at not really consistent because in the NBA, you can peak at the right time and get in the, and so NBA, NBA, um, the NBA, uh, postseason playoffs is all going to be depending on seeding and peak who peaked at the right time and, and who's seated at the right time. Cause it's all about matchups. And so, yeah. and so, you know, I've uh, seen, I've seen a real surprise this past week with the Sacramento Kings. They went 4-0 this past week, and they moved up into that um, fourth seed in the West. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this might be a hot take, but I think the Eastern Conference is taking over basketball. Yeah. I think this season's kind of shown it. You know, for the past 10-plus years, it's kind of been – well, not 10-plus, but say the past five years, it's kind of been very heavily – Western Conference dominated. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's why LeBron got all that, you know, hey, oh, you play on the East Coast. Like, of course, you're making it to the finals every year. Like, the Eastern Conference is a cakewalk every year. But, you know, with teams like Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, the Sixers, even Cleveland this year has looked yep. phenomenal. A hey, Cleveland and, and the Don, the, well, not the, not Donchich, but Donovan Mitchell, that, yeah. dude, that dude right there is a bucket. Yeah, and the top five teams in the um, Eastern Conference are all above 60% win percentage. But when you go over to the West Coast, 
the only teams over 60% win percentage is the top two. Yeah. You only have Denver and Memphis that are mm-hmm. over 60%. But in the mm-hmm. East Coast, you got Boston, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philadelphia, and Cleveland. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's been great. Like, that right there, that stat alone is just wild. Um, so people like the Clippers that actually get on me and Stephen A. Smith's nerves about not playing. They play on Friday, don't play on Saturday, are quote-unquote hurt. Like, like they're not going to get in. At the, they're not going to – they need time to, to mesh as a team. So they should really be playing anything. If they don't continue – if they don't start playing together after the All-Star break, then they're not going anywhere because they won't have chemistry. Um yeah, and that just is annoying. Play play your games. Like, yeah. how you play on Friday and don't play on Saturday. I think that was like a – and they play like 15 minutes. They play like 15 minutes and didn't play on a Saturday or something yeah. like that. Minute like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like – You know, and it's it's tough for those people that, you know, pay money to go like – like if the Clippers are coming into Atlanta and, you know, Kawhi's my favorite player, like – and he just doesn't play because – and he's not even mm-hmm. nothing for rest. Like, mm-hmm. How disappointing is that as a fan to go to a game just to see a player for him not to play? Yeah, yeah, and and somebody like Luka Doncic, who literally is like, like he's probably gonna like. I hate to say this because Doncic is one of my is my top five, one of my one of my top five favorite players right now. But he's probably gonna burn out when it's when the season comes to the end. Like this, this he he went to the European Championships. He came over. He continued to play. He's out here dropping sixty. 50 and 40 uh, on like on like back to back to backs and all this stuff like he's absolutely carrying that team and um he's doing yeah 60 point triple double by itself and then you only win by like two and then so yeah so so you got people on one end the clippers and you got all stars don't play and you got one in um Luka Doncic and the and and the Mavs absolutely burning him out. So, um, but I'm excited, man. It's it's going to be a good postseason. Uh, a lot of teams are going to be taking the six and seven games. Um, I got people want to continue to talk about the Lakers. We're not talking about the Lakers like that. I will continue to tell you that I really do not like the Lakers at all. And I will. And let me get on my soapbox real quick. But first. LeBron James is complaining about them not making any trades, and I firmly agree with them for not making the trades. He made LeBron, the roster. He made the roster. He made you it. did it to yourself, and then you want to complain. Like, you did this to yourself. You brought Russ on this team. You brought AD on this team, and I'll get to AD in a second. AD's not left, left off the hook. But LeBron is complaining about that, and he made the team. And every single team that LeBron has went to, he's ruined their front office, absolutely giving away all their picks, and then he leaves for one championship, and it takes him five, six, seven, eight years to get back. And to even be contenders, facts. And then their front office is not good to good enough in there, especially the Lakers. The Lakers, the Lakers um, player development is not good enough, and their front office is not good enough to bounce back like that. Like. We can just go ahead and lane like two. You got Julius Randle gone, uh, uh, Zoe Brandon gone, Ingram. Brandon Ingram gone, and 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 you're out here complaining about a roster. No, and then and then he put his foot down because 
you only have about four or five years left in your career, and the Lakers have to be on past that. They can't, and I don't think they're 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 picking until like twenty twenty, like twenty twenty five, twenty twenty six or something like that. They don't have a pick until then. You're gonna give away that one pick to win right now? No, you gotta win. You gotta at least set yourself up kind of for the for the next for the next couple of years after you leave. And who knows? Bron he already said that Bronny's gonna be. He wants to play with Bronny when he comes to the league. Bronny just graduated high school. Oh, he's going to graduate high school this year. He's going to take his one year, and then who knows? The Lakers ain't going to be. Lakers might not be in position to move up in the draft and get him because whoever gets him knows LeBron James is going to sign to them immediately. So therefore, that pushes up Bronny's value. And if the Lakers don't have the number one overall pick, then LeBron James could be playing for the Spurs in two years or three years, or the Pistons or the trashed. Yeah, he's going to leave the Lakers trash again. So I fully support them putting their foot down and not giving him that pick. Oh, 100%. I don't care who you are. Like, you've already you've already made us sell our soul with Russell Westbrook. We don't, we don't want this contract. And sell our soul for Anthony Davis, who came to us, won one championship, got fat and lazy, and doesn't take care of his body in the offseason, and, and can't step foot out his door without – stubbing his toe and being out for 10 weeks. Like, like this is all on you, bud. And you're going to go, you're going down with the ship. I love to see it because people are so easy to bend and especially to LeBron James, um, bend and easily break to his will because you're a top five player of all time. Well, you finna be gone and we're going to have to move on without you some way. So you're going down with the ship, LeBron James. And, and, um, you better, and, and I, and I'm happy to see it. I'm happy to see it. Really, I, I mean, of course he's gonna break the record for this year over thirty eight thousand points or break Will record. Fantastic. I love LeBron James as a player, and as a and as a and as a person, he's done great things. But in this in this regard, I've stayed with my thing for years and years. Like, this is not this is not working. Like, thank you, Lakers. And. And lastly, we got to get to two other. Oh, Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is playing like garbage, and that's all that needs to be said. Um, and yeah, we already we already hit up AD. AD can't can't stay. This man gets hit by a car door, and is just he he's basically like Mister Potato Head from freaking from Toy Story. Like he just falls apart. He just falls apart on the floor, and like and like and and. I don't even know, man. I don't know how people. I don't know, man. And you would think once he got to that, <clears throat> got that first championship or got to the LA, he realized where he was in space and time, and and take advantage of LeBron James and win as much as he could, work out with LeBron James in the off season, do all that stuff. But oh, I haven't touched the ball in sixty days or some whatever it was. Or you would think he'd lock in, but I hate when talent like that goes to waste and and and. He doesn't show up because so many people want that type of talent. But I, I'm done with my soapbox for right now. Yeah. But, I don't have anything more to say about the Lakers. You pretty much covered that. But, you know, I will shout out my team, the C's. Oh, the C's are looking smooth. A and two, last 10. And, you know, their first overall in the whole league, 13 or 33 and 12, you know, 73% win clip. Um, second most points per game in the league, only behind Sacramento by two points. 
But the most thing that I'm, I guess, like most proud of and that really shows, I believe, the dominance that this team has going into, you know, hopefully another finals run this year is mm-hmm. they're 5-0 and against their division. And their division holds three members of those Eastern Conference teams that I was telling you were above 60% win percentage. Mm-hmm. They have Brooklyn, Philly, New York, and Toronto all in the Atlantic division. You know, those top three that I just mentioned have above a 60%, you know, win percentage in the league and being 5-0 and against those teams is huge because those are, you know, the two, four, the two and four seed in the Eastern Conference. So I think that really says a lot about the seeds moving forward against tougher competition. Yeah. Like, I, like again, I, I, like, I love that. And the seeds are, are, are definitely are definitely here. Um, but uh, I believe it's all going to come down to seeding. It's really going to be turning matchups and, um, and who gets the right matchup. Because if you're two or three games back, you don't like in the West. You don't want to be playing, or in the East, you don't want to be playing Giannis or, or, or Yoke. That could be separated by two or three games. So I believe every single game in this NBA in this NBA season matters. It really does because that can separate from you from getting a good seed, getting to the Western Conference Finals, or getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. And so yeah, so yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be real interesting when it gets when it really gets down to the wire. Yeah. Caesar about to have two All-Stars again, I believe, as we head into this All-Star break here soon, JB and JT. JT's, mm-hmm. JT's locked in there, and I think JB will, will find his way in to another All-Star as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Another dog. And, oh, we, we you, you shout out the Sacramento Kings. Let me shout out the Pelicans. Yeah. Shout out the Pelicans. Pelicans have been hot. Yeah, and B.I. hasn't played that much this season either. Yeah, number three in the West. You know, when he has, when uh, Zion has played, he's looked good. And like I was saying, they're on a four-game win streak all in this past week. Brought themselves mm-hmm. back up to, what is it, 57% wins. Mm-hmm. Um, seven game or five and a half games behind Denver in first place in the West. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so they they look great. Uh, B.I. hasn't played that much this yeah, year. Yeah, B.I. has been hurt. But what if they again if they can get back and get back right and get back in stride, um Pelicans make a run. Zion yeah. is nothing to play with, gentlemen. I think Hawks Zion. have really seen how they fumbled the bag giving up Kevin Herter and what he's done for Sacramento is they they re- just really needed that lockdown shooter. A yeah, guy that, you know, you could just trust to, you know, hit a high clip of threes. And mm-hmm. I think the Hawks are really missing that this season as they, they're a two-point dominant team now. And you can see how that struggles in the NBA now. And then uh, what's the name? Uh, what's that dude's name on Atlanta? Hold up. So John Murray, John Collins. John Collins, yeah. John Collins, they've asked him to play like a stretch four. He's not been shooting very well, hasn't been able to adjust. And so basically now you have John Collins in the big O playing the same position. And so, yeah, you kind of messed up right there. But two of the people I would definitely not, definitely not ever give up um, on the Hawks is I wouldn't give up DeJounte Murray and I wouldn't give up Bogey. But those are two guys are probably the most underrated, some of the most underrated guys in the game right now. 
you have two lockdown defenders at the one and two, strapped up, clutch, mid range, post game, not post game, mid range. Um, not like the boys are like 80, 89, whatever, almost um, up there, plus 80 overall. And you got, and so there's been, there's been conversations about Trey Young on the trading block, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like, Jajante Murray's a way better player than you are. Sorry. And, um, and so, yeah, so they, they would probably be happily give you away to somebody that wants you. Maybe yeah, the Lakers love their 2026 pick. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, Trey is not a, um, untouchable, uh, trade, trade weapon, maybe at the moment. But, you know, in the, if he doesn't really, uh, show that he can like lead a team and really lead a team into, you know, kind of that dominance that he showed two seasons ago. And then I think he could uh, easily be, you know, on the trading block. Yeah. Well, yeah, man. Um, it's so much to do. So little time last, but not least, I will say that's Steph and the Warriors. Um, they will catch stride here soon. Uh, Steph's been out for a little bit. It's been, a lot of up and down for them. Their bench pairs will come alive later on once everybody else gets in motion. I believe that they will still be in the run at the end of the day because you can't uh, you can't count the baby face assassin. And Clay Thompson's got sh- more to show y'all. He's been on a tear for the past month and a half. Yeah, they're sitting at uh, I believe it's five hundred right now. Yeah, and twenty-one and twenty-one. Sitting, sitting at the first, the top seed in the playing game as of now. Mm-hmm. About to head into mm-hmm. the seven. Yeah, the break. seven. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, so y'all stay tuned, man. Um, we love having y'all. We love having y'all listening. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of y'all. Again, we hope your your New Year's going into the New Year. I hope your Christmas or whatever your holiday. Again, I hope all your holidays are great. Uh, this is always Open Tap Podcast. We are always listening. Y'all, let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what, you, what kind of topics you want. And again, we're we're glad to have you. Um, We'll see y'all next time. Yep. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Have a good one.